Hi, I'm Gary Bembridge, and this is Marketing Unleashed, helping make good marketeers great marketeers. Today, I'm going to talk about five things I wish I'd known 10 years ago. And this was the topic of a talk I did for the World Advertising Research Center at a Creativity in Advertising talk. The first thing was you get what you deserve. In my view, we as clients generally get exactly the advertising and communication we deserve. Clients that bash up their agency as they get lousy creative work remind me of a saying an elderly supply history teacher at school used to say. He would say, when you point one finger at someone, you point three at yourself. If you don't understand this, physically, when you point with your finger, you actually have three fingers pointing back at you. So if your copy is lousy, you could be at least three times more responsible for it than the agency, as shown by people who keep moving their advertising accounts around and still get appallingly bad ads. You get the copy you deserve when the very best people with the very best ideas in the agency want to work on your business. It never ceases to amaze me that so many marketeers as clients seem to browbeat, use muscle, and treat agencies with disdain and command control type management styles, telling them exactly what to do and how to do it. This will never bring out the best in people, especially creative people. You need to invest time and love in the relationship. Like dating, you will never have a fulfilling relationship with infrequent, fractious dates where you boss people around. That only comes with quality and deep time spent to understand each other. You need to work on the basis that the best people in advertising actually do want to sell product as it brings in more business and more money for them in the end. Many marketing people I've worked with and observed seem to assume that agency people do not actually want to sell products to consumers. If the people on your account don't want to sell products in the best way but only want to do what you want, then they clearly are not the best. With this in mind, I was amused by a best of the blog section in the UK campaign magazine. And in the best of the blogs, it was a blog called Scamp Blog, which no longer is active, but was an extremely active blog. And he had a tip on that called Playing to Lose. And it was subtitled, What Should You Do When You're Given a Shit Brief That You Don't Want to Work On? Now, the posting talks about the lengths that creators will go in order to avoid working on rubbish briefs for clients who will only buy average and safe work. The point made, which I thought was absolutely key, is that it's too risky for a creative team to work on bad briefs for clients who will only ever buy so-so work. It may kill their career as their showreel will be terrible. It may kill their career because the product doesn't sell and they get thrown out. It's a bit like marketeers only ever working on and launching products that they know will fail. Why would you do it? It's career suicide. He gave an anecdote, which I don't know if it's true, but he gave an anecdote in the blog where he spoke about creatives trying to avoid working for Procter & Gamble's Oil of Olay because they felt that the client wasn't going to buy good advertising. So they wrote an ad about a woman who is dead, but no one realizes it as her friends keep applying the product, of course, that's inspired by the movie Weekend at Bernie's. But the point of his posting was the creators are not wanting to play to lose. 
If you give them a really tight brief where the only way out is to be creative and then have the guts to be bold with the solutions, that's the way to win. So that's the first tip. The first thing is that you get exactly what you deserve. The second was briefs, not boxes. Now, many copy strategies given to the agency are plain unhelpful as they're too long. When writing a brief, it's best to be like briefs. That's why they called them, barely covering the essentials, unlike boxes, which cover much more. A long copy strategy brief is dangerous as it allows the creatives the opportunity to make strategic choices instead of marketers. Marketers should be closer to the consumer, closer to the brand, and closer to the market, and they should be the ones making the choices. The best thing to give a creative person is a highly constraining brief, so the only escape is for them to engage their creativity to escape it. The analogy I use is put them in a tiny box and let them create a way out. I personally insist on the teams I work with to write their creative brief or copy strategy on a post-it note. I'm trying to make it a very small post-it note instead of the two or three pages usually written. Recently, when I was out with the creative director of one of the agencies we work with, he made me think even more about this because all he said is his team only need two things. One, what do you want to say? And two, how do you want to say it? I argued you needed to add a third. Who do you want to say it to? Although he felt that was part of number one. What do you want to say? Now, every time I look at ad test results or brand health monitors or tracking, it always reminds me that consumers take out one clear thing, only one clear thing about a brand. And so make sure you do that. Use the post-it note approach or the two and three approach that the creative director did, what do you want to say, how do you want to say it, but keep it very tight. Keep it like a pair of briefs, barely covering the essentials. So, for example, one of the teams I was working with recently wanted to say something like fresh, shine, free skin all day. And I wouldn't agree to it because they had three things in there. They had shine, they had fresh, they had all day. So if they chose fresh and shine free, for example, and all day, the creators could have chosen which one or permutations to play up. You've got to make the choice. Another team I work with got in a rant as the agency internal creative brief that got back was not on brief. But looking at the original brief and the creative brief, all the agency had done was pick one of the three reasons to believe and focus on that one. It happened to be the one the brand team liked the least, but they were the ones who were at fault because they had not been more focused. The post-it note approach works as it forces choices. It also checks if the story all links and flows. That is why when thinking of writing a creative brief, we should be thinking small, just covering the bare essentials, rather than thinking of covering a lot of ground, like some boxer shorts do. That's the second point. The third point is that your wife is not an idiot. Your wife, your husband, your mother, your partner, and you are all idiots. That is at least what many marketers seem to think when it comes to creating and evaluating communication and advertising. It's so much easier to assume that your consumer is an idiot and then to develop and use copy that basically is your copy strategy set to some images. The more explicit and the more basic, the better.
However, this is also probably the dumbest approach to copy and communication, although I'm sure there are examples of copy that work by treating their target as an idiot, incapable of understanding anything other than the most explicit and most basic approach. It is, though, unlikely to engage your target and build something more significant in their minds about the brand. I try and use the thought that I first came across in one of my most favorite books on advertising as a guiding principle when looking at copy proposals from the agency. The book is Ogilvy on Advertising by the very talented, and I'm guessing very egotistical but insightful David Ogilvy. In this book, which is a very old book now, he spoke about how the consumer is not an idiot. She is your wife. This thought has always made an incredible impression on me. I realized that I needed to avoid drifting towards the comfortable which was to lean towards copy proposals that spelt up my strategy in a very linear fashion, but instead to look at what the outtake of the ad was. And if the ad is engaging, intriguing, people will get, get them. They'll get to think about what the brand is, and then it should have a better and more lasting impact and effect. I think about ads that I like as a consumer. The ones I like are always ones that engage. They intrigue, they impress, or they make me think. They interest me. They are not the linear ones that talk to me through the, talk me through the strategy. Why is it when we're presented with advertising? We think as a marketeer, uh, are we more comfortable treating our consumers as idiots? Why don't we try and evaluate and choose copy with more of our consumer filter on, thinking more as a consumer? This is why when I see advertising for the very first time from the agency, the first thing I always note and feedback on is my gut feelings about how the copy made me feel. Then I go into thinking with a more rational hat on. Is there an idea? Is it on brief? Is it talking to the right target? Etc. 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 The next thing is not just the category best. When I was recently talking to the agency about what makes great beauty advertising, which is a category I was developing advertising for, and in this setup for the review, the agency made a point that really resonated with me that I think is important for all marketeers and for all advertisers. And this was the following. First of all, be careful of asking the question, what makes good beauty, or whatever category you're in advertising, as this may take you down a path of aping, of emulating, or following a path that is not really brilliant. You may have advertising that is as good or as bad as the rest, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's absolutely brilliant. And secondly, that your ads are actually being seen in the context of everything. And so if the consumer is seeing 2,000, 3,000 or more messages a day, you need to stand out among that first and foremost. Never forget that great ads need to stand out and be great, full stop, and not just be the best or good in your category. The point made was that universally, even if you're not in the market for sports shoes, for example, people talk about and recognize Nike ads as great ads. People who don't even have a driving license will notice perhaps VW ads, even if they do not notice any other car ad. I really like the point. Don't strive to get great advertising in your category. Strive for great advertising, full stop. The last point is... No visible penalty for misses. What does this mean? Now, one of the things that I keep telling myself, my teams, and the agency is that the most stressful part of my role in marketing is creative presentations. 
the reason is, and the reason I find them so stressful, is that there's a chance that I let go the creative idea and execution that could not just grow the brand, but double the business, treble the business, make the business famous. It's always an easy option to choose the option that looks and feels comfortable. It's easy to go with something that does not push the boundaries or is a lot like what has been done before or feels like an improvement on what someone else has done. But it's terrifying to do something that makes your heart or your pulse race. It could be the very thing that could make a real difference. For example, here's a story that I heard about how all of the program commissioners at each of the main TV channels in the US had turned down the show American Idol as they thought had a little potential. Now, as we know, it was a massive success. Fox was the channel that picked it up after some influence by Elizabeth Murdoch, who helped her father, Rupert Murdoch, understand the potential of the show based on the experience she'd seen in the UK. And of course, it became one of the most profitable and the biggest brands on television. The fact is that none of the commissioning editors was penalized for turning the money spinner and the great idea down. But they did turn down something that was huge. So there's no visible penalty for misses. So I worry that every time I see new creative work that I'm about to do the same, that I will never be penalized for missing the bigger idea if I choose copy that will give some incremental growth, as no one will ever know that I committed a major crime of turning away the big one. So what do you do to make sure that you do not miss the big idea? You don't go with safety. So here's five things then that I wish I'd known. First of all, you absolutely get what you deserve. You need to really think about asking and showing that you're looking for the big idea. Secondly, briefs, not boxes. Make sure that you're only covering the bare essentials or the creators make the choice. Thirdly, remember that you, your wife, your partner is not an idiot. So why do you treat, as with your marketing hat on, your consumers as idiots? Strive to have the, not just the best advertising in your category, but the best advertising ever. And also remember, every time you look at an idea, there's no visible penalty for misses. So you've got to keep pushing yourself. So those are five things that I'd wish I'd really known about advertising 10 years ago. I'm Gary Bembridge, and this is Marketing Unleashed. Remember to visit my website at garybembridge.com and sign up for emails, alerts from the blog.